Hello. Welcome. Hello. To How Hard Can It Be? Uh, it's a super fun little podcast where my friend Bree and I say hi, Bree. Hello. <laughs> hey, that's Bree. I'm Colby. Uh, where we talk about creativity, we talk about entrepreneur- entrepreneurial mindset, easy for me to say. Uh, and we sort of go through uh, what it's like to be small business owners in a uh, super wild world of uh, American capitalism. It's super great. Wow, that is a title. Thank you. That should be our yeah. subtitle. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the longest subtitle in the history of uh, yeah. subtitles. Uh, other <laughs> podcast names that we thought about for this podcast, I thought I would throw a couple of them out there. Uh, business Therapy, that one was taken, uh, mm-hmm. which was a bummer. But I do feel like that's kind of what this is going to end up being is just therapy for business owners. Yeah. The Self-Employed Void, uh, Fake It Till You Make It, Employ Yourself. And my the runner-up in my mind for How Hard Can It Be was, I Can Do This Better. <laughs> I could do this better. We also, but also Colby came up with a couple of good ones when last episode one, if you didn't listen to it, what, oh my gosh, I, what was the children's book we're making? Oh, we're making a book called The Hits We Take. The Hits We Take, which could yeah. have been a podcast name, but now we decided to make it a a children's book coming out yeah. sometime in the future. Yeah, it's going to be very Glennon Doyle uh, meets Brene Brown, you know. Uh, for, for kids. For kids. Yeah. yeah. Very, uh, it'll be very good. It'll be very good. Yeah. So this week, we are talking about what you were thinking about financially when you started your business uh, and how do you figure out if your business is going to be financially viable uh, before you start it, right? So that's what we're talking about. I mean, I'm pumped because I'm the queen of finances, obviously. Just kidding. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. And you know what's crazy? I do feel like this is kind of... I think that gender might play a role in this because I do feel like women do not get taught as much about finances and budgeting as men do when you're growing up. It could have just been me. But I just like, I just feel like, like Ryan, my husband is like so good at budgeting and so good at finance and stuff. I call him my CFO. And like, I just feel like men think about this all the time. And I think the reason why women don't is because we like really weren't taught or like, it wasn't like a, it it just wasn't important, I guess. Like it is important, but it wasn't important. I think for women to know, I could be wrong, Interesting. but at least in my circle, I just feel like it wasn't talked about. And I also feel like there's so many things in school, in college that you learn. And like the fact that budgeting is in a class. Correct. Like really though. To, yeah. How to pay off part. the student loans that you're accumulating right now. Yep. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Like, like the fact that like I had to take Mayan math, which I'm never <laughs> going to learn in my entire life. As in the ancient Mayans? Yeah. I took this class called wow. Nature of Math at Biola. And it was taught by this professor named Dr. What or Dr. Weathers, I guess, Professor Weathers. And he, he's been on Ellen because he did this like um, this thing with, I'll, I'll put it in the episode notes. It's very funny. He basically did this like April Fool's joke with the smart board. It was very funny. <laughs> and he's such like a nerdy guy. But yeah. anyway, yeah, we had to learn Mayan math. And I was like, I'm never going to learn this for my entire life. Like, couldn't we have just learned like budgeting, stock right. market stuff, investing? Yeah. Like, You know what would have been more helpful? How to pay your taxes. Yes. <laughs> or like... So many exactly. other things. Exactly. Like that would have like given me an insight on how to like navigate life. The American education system. <laughs> Buy and math. Love that for us. Love, Love that it. for us. But anyway, I'm so happy that we're talking about it because I think it's really important, obviously, for business owners to know. For sure. For sure. Okay, about. before we get into that, uh, we're gonna do a business check-in, what's happening in our businesses this week. Uh, and we're freaking out a little bit, uh, or at least I am, about uh, recession things, you know, yeah. super fun. Yeah. Everybody's talking about that. Uh, so fun. So fun. <laughs> Another thing I wish I would have learned more about is what happens for real in a recession. To your business. I, I did want to talk about this a little bit. Yeah. I did want to like, because so if you don't know, I mean, by the time this podcast episode comes out, you'll probably know, but um, <laughs> there's, I've been doing like weekly tips and tricks for like marketing, branding, general business tips. Um, I have an email going out once a week. And then I also have like a whole um, Instagram live dedicated to on Mondays. We're calling Moscow Mondays in case I forget, in which case we call it Moscow Wednesdays. <laughs> and, um, which for some reason, the very first one, I literally completely forgot about it. Um, I, I just completely forgot that it was Monday. But anyway, Love Love this next week is all about recession stuff because I asked my 
Instagram community what they wanted to know, what they want to talk about. And recession and inflation and how that affects businesses was like the number one thing that people wanted to know. Mm-hmm. And so I want to say this. I'm from the Silicon Valley. So naturally, I've seen a lot of amazing companies come out of recessions. Okay. Uber is one of them. Just because there is a recession or there is inflation does not mean your business is going to fail. What I have learned in the last three years of business and also like the last six years of being in the industry, it's not about how much money you're making. It's not about how many clients you have. It's about how adaptable you are. Mm. That is what makes a successful business is if you can be adaptable. What you do when the hard times come. It's like there's three words we never want to hear again. <laughs> Pivot, adaptable, and unprecedented. But like here we True. are again. <laughs> and um, and so I, I just want to say that as an encouragement, this will affect your business. It totally will. Especially for people who are in like a higher paying service industry that mm. that, you know, maybe your audience doesn't deem as necessary, but more of a luxury. Yeah. It will completely affect your business, but you can determine how it will affect your business. And I have a whole list of tips and tricks for you. Sign up for my email list. You will get it. Even if it's passed, I will get it to you. But again, I think the number one thing is focus on what your audience needs right now and be adaptable. And don't pause, just move. I love that because I think it's not uncertainty, right? Just knowing like, yes, this is going to affect my business in some way actually makes me feel a little bit better because I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Knowing that it's going to affect my business, now I can solve that problem as opposed to, I wonder if this is going to be a problem. I hope it doesn't going to become a problem for the next six months uh, of like dread and anxiety about it. Um, mm-hmm. I love that just like knowing, yeah, this is going to affect you, but it doesn't have to end you, you know? A hundred percent. And I think that a lot of people in the pandemic that we saw the people who paused or froze were the people who didn't make it. Mm. But the people who were adaptable and were like, oh, yes, I'm going to do this. Okay, then I'm going to do this. Okay, then I'm going to move. Then I'm going to do this. Those are the people who really made it. Literally, yeah. I remember turning to Ryan as we were leaving Chicago. And I had just started my business. I was probably like seven months into my business. And I remember turning to Ryan and being like, there's no way my business is going to survive this. Whoa. And for some reason it did. And I think the reason is that I didn't just stay. I didn't just let it. I didn't let that happen to my business. I let right. I let it motivate me to give my audience something that they really needed in that moment. And that was like clarity or a new brand or a new website or, hey, you just got fired from your job. What are you doing now? Here's some affordable resources for you to start your own business. Yeah. And so um, th- start to think about what your audience really needs right now and market that to them. I think some really good advice I got once was uh, like, what problem are you solving better than anybody else is for your customer, right? Yeah. There's a mil- for me, I'm a, like, there's a million wedding photographers out there uh, who all take beautiful wedding photos. Um, yeah. But there's probably something that I can do, some problem that I can solve better mm-hmm. than most of them, right? So yeah. I have to figure out what that one thing is and capitalize on that one thing. And so in the face of a giant problem, like a pandemic or like a recession, that's a problem to solve. And people have new problems that we can solve instead of the ones that we were solving when things were uh, were good, right? Mm-hmm. And this is when people get really creative. Yeah. This is when, this is, I'm actually so excited for, I mean, I'm saying this from a place of privilege, okay? I mean, everything I say is from a place of privilege, so I mm-hmm. want to note that. Yeah. I am excited to see, and I was, I was even excited to see how people reacted during the pandemic. I'm, I'm also excited to see how people react during this re- potential recession, because this is when creatives are able to like soar <laughs> mm. because you're thinking in your head, okay, what problem am I solving? What can I do with maybe this extra time? Maybe I got fired. Maybe I got, you know, my hours got cut back or whatever it is. Maybe I'm not that busy right now. What yeah. can I, how can I use this to move forward in a right. way that nobody else has ever done? Yeah. Well, and I think, so I'm really I'm excited for that. I think creative people get like pigeonhole themselves into their creative niche right and i'm i'm guilty of this i uh i see like my creative expression as photography and only photography sometimes but i have to remember that like my creativity can go into spreadsheets my creativity can go into like conversations with people creative people are creative at everything that they apply it to but you just have to remember that you can apply that same creative energy in other places yeah 
Yeah, and and I feel like sometimes people who are in the creative world or even you know, just maybe just of the world, but like I think sometimes when, when these things happen, it's like that first initial response, like fight, what is it, fight, flight, freeze. Mm. And yeah, you need to be a fighter. You need yeah. to be you need to be a fighter. You need to be like figuring out or a flighter, right? Like, okay, I'm ditching this. And it, as long as you're moving, just don't yeah. freeze. For sure. So yeah. anyway, that's what's kind of happening. I feel like in my industry right now, I've seen a lot of people. I'm part of a lot of like marketing Facebook groups, which feels like so boomer me to say, um, <laughs> but I am. Yeah. And I have been noticing a lot of people within the marketing industry getting less clients. And that was actually mm-hmm. me in, in June. Yeah. And I was really freaking out. I was like, is this the month? Yeah. <laughs> Colby knows this about me. I call him almost every almost every other month, really. And I'm like, True. so yeah. my business is failing. <laughs> it's like every 90 days or so. <laughs> it's been so great knowing you. <laughs> have so it's like, Brie, we, we talked last week and you made more last month than you have ever. <laughs> what, ha- what, what happened? What could have possibly <laughs> happened that now your business is going down the drain? Usually, usually it's nothing. Usually it's just, you haven't gotten an inquiry for a week or, you know, somebody like because of their own stuff got mad at you for something else. Like, you know what I mean? That's literally me. I'm dead serious. Like this whole last week I've been like on cloud nine, like, Oh my God. Yay. And then I had this executive meeting with my husband about like numbers and things that I need to improve on. And I'm like, so I guess I'm failing now. (laughs) Like now's the time. Like goodbye. See, I think you and I are alike in the way of like, I see, I don't really know how to budget either. I just realized I'd never respond uh, to that. I, I got distracted, but uh, I'm terrible at budgeting. I, so don't feel alone in that. Um, oh, great. Yeah. Uh, but I think we're alike in that way of where I'm like, if I just don't look at the numbers, everything's probably fine. And I don't have a Ryan to like yeah. keep me in check of like, hey, you spent like $4,000 this month on gear and you only actually brought in 1500 bucks. Like, let's talk about that. I, um, that's literally my problem every month. I don't look at, like, I, I know I need to obviously, but I don't, I, I, I will avoid looking at my numbers as I, I will avoid it's it scary. because it's scary. it's scary. It's so scary. And yeah. ugh, especially when you're trying to build something, I'm like, Ugh. and I don't, and the thing that's, I think the most scary is that you don't have anybody to really, I mean, I guess you do in a way, but every business is so different that you don't yeah. really have someone to ask, like, am I doing good? <laughs> Like, is this normal True. or like, yeah. is this really bad? Right. Like, you know? Yeah. I'm because I don't, if I, even if I did look at the numbers, I don't know that I would know if it is good, if it is bad. I don't know how to communicate that to somebody else and ask yeah. them, is this good or bad? Um, yeah. And so I'm just kind of like crossing my fingers that it's all going to work <laughs> out. It takes a little bit of hope. It takes a little bit of like, uh, ignorance is bliss, you know? Yeah. It's like a, a little bit of a wing faith. and a prayer. Yeah. yeah, literally. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just jumping off the bridge, but yeah, I just, it just feels like, yeah, very overwhelming. It's scary. So the moral of the story is, be thinking about it. It will affect you. Be thinking about uh, what problems might come up for your customers that you can solve in a different way than you have been. Yeah, be proactive. Start thinking about it yeah. now. Don't wait for it to happen. Start right. thinking about it now. Or wait for it to potentially happen. And the worst case scenario doesn't happen. Great. You have a plan B for it if it ever does. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can just implement those plans now and get some passive income or get some, you know, different audiences, different levels of audiences coming your way. Right. Great. Well, after this uh, recording, um, I'm going to ask you that exact same question. You can help me figure out what I can do. Uh, It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Colby's actually launching a couple of things on our Moxie Gal shop, which I'm really excited about. Try. I'm so stoked. So, I'm so stoked. I'm so stoked too. So Keep an eye out. I mean, you're already starting to do it. So we're both starting. I mean, that's the thing. It's like Colby is like not obviously as in as involved with my team as like Aaron or Kelsey are. But mm-hmm. I feel like you are in a way of like if if we're all doing something, I'm like Colby, come on, <laughs> come on, <laughs> you're coming with okay. us. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> okay, here I come. I'm like a little dog, like hopping on. You're like, I got it. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm very excited for that. But anyway, yeah, don't yep. freak out. Be proactive. You got this. If you have any other questions or you need a business therapy session, I'm not a therapist, but I can definitely listen to you. Hit us up. DM Hit us. us. Up. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of, uh, today we were talking about when you're starting your business, how do you know that you're going to 
be financially viable? How do you know you're going to make enough money to like pay yourself, right? Because there's a lot, it costs money to do business. Yeah. It costs a lot depending on what your business is. Um, and you need to know that like you're going to be able to make those investments and also pay yourself uh, enough money for your living expenses and pay yeah. your taxes and pay your sales tax and pay like all this other stuff. Yeah. So that's something you should think about before you're starting a business. It's not always something people do and people can be successful without doing it. But it's something that I put a lot of thought into uh, and then just haven't looked back since I said, okay, yeah, I think I can be viable. I think I can do this. I'll see you in a year when I uh, it's time to look back on it. But I wanted yeah. to ask you, um, when you started Moxie Gal, which we talked about uh, in our previous episode, like in Chicago, sort of out of uh, nothing by yourself, what went into that planning before you were like, okay, I'm ready. Let's do this. So I kind of like stumbled into it in a weird way. And I know I kind of talked about this in my the like beginning of my business episode, but I... When I first started a business, my husband was in law school, okay, making no money. And I was like, I'm going to start my own business. <laughs> grad, grad students are famously financially uh, very stable people, speaking as a former grad student. <laughs> yeah. Man. We had a $200 a week budget, and we were living in the south side of Chicago in like a 600 square foot apartment and living life. Living the dream. And living the dream. And um, when I first started my business, actually, I came from an agency where I was revenue sharing. And so I wasn't really making that much money, honestly. Like, I I mean, I was for a 22-year-old, 23-year-old. Mm-hmm. But I thought, I always thought like, okay, I can have, so, there's so much more potential here that I, yeah. you know, I'm not like reaching my fullest potential. And some months would be really great, but some months wouldn't be that good. Mm-hmm. And so we were already in like a tough financial place, right? Because like we were, one, the unpredictability of, of revenue sharing and then also co- having your own company. Right. It didn't feel that different to me, you know, like, okay, I didn't know how much money I was going to make with my previous job. I didn't know how much, I don't know how much money I'm going to make with this one. Um, yeah. But I didn't really start making money until like March of 2020. And I started in October. So there was like, f- what, five months? No, six. Wait, I can't do math. Five months, right? Yeah. October to March. Five months. September yeah, to March. Of sounds six. right. Yeah. So, gosh. About half a year. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, there was about five months where I, I wasn't making that much money. I had like a couple of projects here and there. I did my very first branding project. She hated it and fired me. And for some reason I kept going. I don't know what it was. And, and then I had a couple, I had one, like my very first full on branding to website client. And that was, I charged $750 for that, which now I charge like 3000 to $4,000 for that. Yeah. And so. Because you didn't even believe in your own worth yet. No, and I was just starting. Yeah. I had no idea what I was doing. I got fired. I didn't get fired. The my my previous agency didn't think that I was good because I didn't do graphic design. Ugh. Like I wasn't because that's what I you need to be a professional. But I didn't yeah. major in graphic design, and I didn't. I wasn't. I didn't get my degree in it. I wasn't. I didn't have a previous job that helped that. I really. I'm like very self taught in graphic design. Yeah. In branding in general. And so, um, I didn't really, I didn't really know what I was doing. So I, I, right. I knew I had to charge really cheap because I need, I needed a portfolio. I didn't have one. Hmm. And yeah. so, so you, yeah, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. And you do have yeah. to take on those losses, I guess, when you first start and Colby mm-hmm. and I talked about this, like when you first start as a photographer, you're not charging a thousand dollars a session. You're charging like 200, $300 a session. If that. Right. Right. And so, and you start with <laughs> the natural way of a photographer you start with like families and in couples and then you mm-hmm. and maybe graduation photos mm-hmm. and then you move on to like engagements and like more couples and then you move on to weddings and then you get really tired of weddings so you move on to branding <laughs> and it's, you the, it's the life cycle it's the circle it's of kind of the life cycle i also yeah. I, I in a previous episode I talked about the life cycle of like the look of a photographer yeah. i just think i know them really well at this point but yeah there was a couple there was months where i didn't make any i didn't make a lot of money and we were on a really tight mm-hmm. budget yeah. Um, but I, I think that, I mean, you, you just can't expect to make a lot of money when you first start. Right. And so, I mean, I always recommend, uh, I don't think maybe I'd recommend jumping into something like I did, but I would definitely recommend doing it as a side hustle first. Yeah. It helps to start full time or part time to, uh, like get the portfolio under your belt, like get some practice and really understand what you can offer. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I did that because I wasn't doing that. And did you do any 
like forecasting of how many projects you could take on in a year or what you could be charging or anything like that before you decided to go full time? Here's the thing about me. I don't plan. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a planner. This is why I feel like I'm improviser through and through. I really am like an improviser through and through. I feel this is why I feel like a lot of the imposter syndrome comes up is because Mm. like I didn't have like a a plan. Ryan had a plan. Ryan was like, this is how much you need to make. This is how much like you need to take on at least 30 clients this year. Like, please (laughs) begging you, please take on 30 clients this year. And I did my first year. I I took on like 36, I think clients. And then it's doubled, the double, the double then. But yeah, I didn't, I don't, I don't, it was so long ago and I feel like it's all blur, but I really don't really remember thinking I need to take on a specific number to make it. Mm -hmm. I think that I was just happy I was making it and I was 25 and which is pretty young. And I just felt like, I don't know, I just felt like I needed to like go and just do it and just. Did you have a goal for how much money you wanted to make? Like how much you wanted to pay yourself in your first year? I wanted, my dream was to make $60,000. My dream. I remember thinking if I made $5,000 a month, that would be goals. Yeah. I would be so happy if I made $5,000 a month. I would be like, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I made that. Right. And I remember when I made it, I just, I remember one month I just made $5,000 a year within my first year. And I was like, or $5,000 a month within my first year. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I made that. Oh my God. Yeah. Now if I make $5,000 a month, I'm like, you failure. <laughs> you didn't right. do anything. And so, um, yeah. So anyway, how about you though? Like, did you have a specific idea of how much money? I think you did. I think For sure. I remember telling yeah. you. Yeah. Absolutely. I, so I... different from you i was coming from a very stable i had a salary i knew exactly how much i was going to make down to like the cent every month because my salary was the exact same every month yeah so i was making fifty seven thousand dollars a year before taxes uh for my that's it for how much you were working oh my gosh uh yeah for a truly ridiculous amount of work and like work that made me feel emotionally terrible (laughs) all the time yeah and that was not an entry level position that was like a that was like a middle management level position that I had gotten promoted to in my third or fourth year. After, you had a graduate degree. Yeah, I, I, my master's degree. My first two years, I made thirty thirty nine thousand dollars a year. Wow! In a master's required position before I got promoted, so so I was like, I need to make more money than I'm currently making because we wanted to move. We were going to have a mortgage. We've got living expenses. I got these nephews. I got to like buy a bunch of gifts for, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so my goal was I wanted to pay myself $65,000. I was like, that's a little bit more in the first year. Like that's totally respectable. I think I can probably handle making 65,000. And then I put this spreadsheet together. I've got it up on my other screen here, uh, which I could share it with people if they want. But... I remember you sending this to me. <laughs> Do you really? I've... Yeah. You sent this to me. I like needed to show it to other people and like make sure, I think I might've sent it to my therapist too and been like, is this what do you think? Is this written in English? Am, am I like having a, some kind of break? Because this says that I can do it. Uh, yeah. And so what I did was I spent so much of my other job time working on this uh, I, that I shouldn't have, but it um, allows me to change around numbers, and I could kind of fudge around with stuff until like I had the right number of each kind of session that I was going to charge this much uh, money for in order to like spend this amount of money with like 10,000 budgeted for gear and 500 budgeted for marketing or something like that. And then it had a section where it worked in taxes and it would take like my salary goal and it would say, okay, if you're, this is your salary goal, you need to pay this much in income tax and this much in sales tax. And so it kind of brought all of those numbers together uh, and said like, this is how much you need to make. Like this is the revenue you need to bring in in a year. And so yeah, so my goal was $65,000 because I knew I could pay myself slightly more every month than I was making my old job. Um, and then I knew exactly how many weddings, how many families, how many seniors, how many real estate projects I needed to do in order to meet that goal. I just pulled it up. I haven't looked at it in several months. And I don't think that I am probably reaching it, but that's okay. I'm like probably just paying myself a little bit less. Actually, I know that I'm paying myself less than what this says. And I'm fine with that. Like I'm paying my what do you bills. Mean pay yourself, what do you mean paying yourself less? Like give a separate bank account and then you're just taking out money? Yeah. That, oh, good question. Okay. We should talk about this. So I have, right, my business bank account. I have a yeah. Bank of America small business bank account. And then I have my like local credit union checking account, which is where right. my money sits that I 
like my salary would go into that from my old job, right? I would get the direct deposit. And then now I pay myself twice a month because that was my other thing that I really wanted to do was I wanted to be able to have some kind of predictable income. Yeah. And so now I pay myself $1,500 on the first day of the month and $1,500 on the 15th day of the month. So every two weeks I get a, like a reliable paycheck, which I think is actually probably a little bit more than uh, I can't really remember. It's around what I was making in my previous job. And this is sort of how I budget is I pay myself twice a month and then twice a month I also put into my business savings account for taxes. Right. Um, and as long as I still have money in my business checking account, I'm like, I'm cool. Right. Um, that's sort of the extent to the like week by week budgeting that I do. Right. So that's worked out fine for me because I know that I'll like, even if everything dried up for the next uh, like month, if I didn't make any money in the next month, I know that I have enough money in that account to like keep paying myself uh, right. for a month or two. Right. Um, and ideally I'll like build that up over the years and I'll have enough of a cushion there that like if something terrible happened, I could keep paying myself for a while. But yeah, and that that just makes it easier, I think, down the road in terms of like, uh, I know exactly how much I made. Uh, all of my business expenses came out of one place. And so um, I think that was really helpful. But I think what was really important for me was having that goal of like, what do I want to pay myself? I think I started with the monthly and I kind of like did the math to figure out what is that yearly. So what do I want to pay myself? What do I have to do to get there? And so it was... Uh, I averaged out like, okay, if I get paid an average of $2,400 a wedding, I need to do 22 weddings and I need to do 10 families and whatever. I think I'm now charging way more than $2,400 for weddings. Um, so that has worked out well for me. And I've yeah. gotten, I think, 17 or so weddings for this year. Amazing. Um, so that's gone pretty well. But uh, yeah, I need to go back now that I, now that I'm like six or seven months in and be like, okay, how has this stacked up to my actual expenses? Uh, yeah. Because I've probably spent, way, I know that I've spent way more on marketing than I thought I would. I've probably spent overspent on gear already and all that good stuff. But yeah, yeah, my, my biggest expenses are my employee expenses. Mm -hmm. And so like, that's like, it just, and that it's nice to know I'm like, that's because I'm a service-based industry too. I mean, I know you are too, but like, I don't need gear. Like the, the right. client pays for their own like domain name, Google stuff, like yeah. website services. Like they don't, they don't pay for that. And so I really, what I'm paying for is talent. Like that's the only thing mm -hmm. that's really like a, a big expense for me. But now that I'm like three years in and we're kind of like more of an agency model, I'm like, I had to go back because when I first started my business, it was just me. Right. So like, I didn't have a separate bank account. We didn't have any money. So it was like, yeah. I'll just but drop it into my <laughs> my um venmo and i'll yep. drop it into our checking account and whatever it is and so now that we have more of an agency model we had to create a, a separate business account and then i'm trying to come up with different like strategies for me and i think it's it's important to know that like as you grow you're always going to change like the mm -hmm. way that you're doing things i think yeah. if you're a photographer like it could be the same way but if you bring on people it's going to change like the way that you do things if you, if you really grow outside of yourself and so um, when I first started, it was like Venmo me and it, I was an independent contractor. So like Venmo me and that's fine. Now that I'm right. in business, it's a lot different. Yeah. Yeah. Talk more about that difference. Uh, like at what point did you go from independent contractor to a business? And to an LLC. I think it was my second coming up to my second year. Wow. Okay. So you, I I thought you did it right away. No, no. I was like, it was like, right. So I, so I started business in, in October started doing well in March and then I hired Kelsey in August. And so, yeah, it was right around August when I hired Kelsey. That's when I did the full like LLC situation gotcha. yeah. because I didn't have to, I was an independent contractor. I wasn't like a business. Right. And for us financially, like Ryan wasn't even working yet. And so mm -hmm. it's like, there was no separation of anything. He yeah. started working full time in November of that year. And then I started, um, and then we just started putting everything separate. And so, so yeah, that's kind of like how, what happened, but I mean, it's just so important. I feel like I wish that I had like a financial advice. I mean, I have Ryan, whatever. Um, so great. <laughs> what well, not, whatever. Lovely. So nice. <laughs> that he husband, does this for free. Yeah. You're incredibly <laughs> supportive, knowledgeable, uh, helpful spouse. <laughs> Love you so much. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. I had him, whatever. I'm what, what nobody, I meant, nobody tweet at Ryan. What I meant more was I had his help, but he's not a financial advisor. He has sure. a job. He has other things going on. He's yeah. not there to solely help me. Okay. 
Yeah. And so I wish I had hired like someone, like a business coach or someone to tell me like how to like, okay, what should mm. I do? Yeah. And so, um, cause I just didn't know. Right. I had no idea. And so, yeah, I think the benefits of, obviously there's lots of benefits of having an LLC for one, if someone sues you, they're not suing you, they're suing the LLC. Mm-hmm. It's like protected legally. Um, when you have employees, they're not employed by you. They're employed by the company. So it also protects you legally. But yeah. outside of like legal stuff, which I didn't really have, about, I didn't, I wasn't making that much money to like justify like taking right. that step. Yeah. And so and besides legal stuff, in my opinion, I could be totally wrong. But outside of that, there's, there's not a big difference between a sole proprietor and LLC. Yeah. It just sort of creates like that entity. It creates yeah. a cushion between you and your clients if something goes wrong. Um, exactly. You're taxed the like, same. You, there's no. There's not really any financial advantage to like, taxes. Have to pay quarterly taxes as opposed to once a year. Yeah, that's true. I guess that's. Yeah, true. yeah. So um, I'm not like same rate though. Same rate. Yeah, same rate. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, if you don't, because I didn't even know that this was gonna. I was gonna make it. Okay, I was literally, I was literally betting on myself, almost not making it. And yeah. so I was like, I mean, what is making it? But I was, I was really thinking I wasn't gonna do well. And so I was like, I might as well start as a sole proprietor so that I could just see how this plays out, see how yeah. it works. And then if it works out great, then great. But if it doesn't, then okay, no harm no foul. I don't have to pay for an LLC. I don't have to do all that stuff. And that was kind of Ryan's thought too. Yeah. And now that we're moving away from now we moved away from that and then we became an LLC and have a separate bank account, pay employees through that, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, taxes quarterly, everything else. It honestly doesn't really big, feel like that big of a difference. Yeah. That's good. But it's just for me, because it's like yeah. even if they they sue my company, I still have to do something about it. Right. Yeah, true. Yeah, it's still a bad <laughs> right. thing. It's still a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> so but for but they can but for when you're married if you're married. It's like they don't go after you and your spouse. They just go after your True. company. True. Yeah. yeah. They can't come yeah. after my house now that I own right. because exactly. uh, that's not part of the LLC. Right. Can, but I had literally no assets. They can take away my camera gear. They can take away your computer. That's about it. My laptop. Your podcast probably, mic. My, my <laughs> microphone. God forbid. God forbid. Maybe that would be better for everybody involved. I don't know. <laughs> but that was so, it. That's all they can So what all, what did you invest in in your first year? What did you, because... You are in a very low overhead business, right? You don't have yeah. a storefront. You don't have like tangible no. products. You don't I think have without gear. my employee expenses, I think my expenses are like $500 a month. And so what uh, what items is that for? Um, it's like for um, all of our backend stuff. So like our Google business account, our um, show it account, our Flowdesk account, our just like kind of monthly expenses. Like we send clients gifts when they sign with us. That Cool. Yep. Like sort of like client retention stuff. Um, I'm trying to think of what other like. Oh, my cell phone bill. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, oh, I, need to, I need to write off my cell phone bill. I need to figure out how to do. Yeah, that. what? Yeah. Because I do everything uh, on my cell phone. Yeah, exactly. Cell phone bill, wi- our Wi-Fi. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So things like that. Like that's what it really comes down to. Oh my to. gosh! I need to write off our internet too. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? What you am know, I doing? If you downloaded the magic sheet, this wouldn't have happened. <laughs> <laughs> This is officially, this is the third episode in a row that we've talked about the magic sheet and me not having it, which means it's a bit now and I will never get to download the magic sheet because uh, <laughs> For that's too bad. Alone. I was really looking forward to like all of the expertise the magic sheet could give me, but now I can't because I need to be Now, whenever you're struggling with something, I'm going to be like, well, if you download the magic sheet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like uh, I told you to a long time ago. Um, it probably would have been very helpful. It probably, you probably wouldn't be in this mess. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you yeah. say that. But yeah, so So operational stuff. Yeah, and then but my biggest cost is my is Kelsey and Aaron. Yeah. 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 Were there any unexpected costs uh in your first year? Mm. Like anything that you were like, oh, I didn't think I would have to pay for that. Or I didn't think about that thing that I need. Oh, we also pay off our accountant too to do taxes. So oh yeah. That's also right. a thing that expense. That's, that's only an unexpected like cost for sure. Yeah. Unexpected costs. I mean, I think it was uh, unexpected, like on all the write-offs that Ryan puts on me. Like he's like, "I bought a computer, so like we're just gonna write those off for the business because it's like yeah. our computer." You're using it and for I, business, yeah. And also, I do work on, yeah, I do work for your business. It's whatever. So it's like, it looks like some months I don't. I, some months in the beginning, it looked like I made no money because we were just oh, like yeah. writing off things, and it right. scared me because he's like, "Yes, yeah, so you profited five hundred dollars this month," and I was like, "No, but I made." 3,000. What are you talking about? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it was hard in the beginning. So I was like, oh, that's like not what I 
that's just not, but that's not what happened and whatever. Right. So, right. So I think that was something that I was not anticipating, but every like really successful entrepreneur will tell you that like they, you want to try to get to zero with write-offs and everything as much as possible. Yeah. So, but that was a really weird concept for me because looking at numbers, I was like, am I failing or, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, so that was hard. And then I'm trying to think of what other costs came up that I, and I wasn't anticipating. I definitely wasn't anticipating hiring someone. Hmm. Like I, yeah. I don't think in my first year I was anticipating that. But you know, my first year of business, I really wasn't that much. I did not have a lot of expenses. Now I feel like my expenses are like employee expenses too. So like when Kelsey and Aaron meet me in Iowa, like for a photo right. shoot, like paying yeah. for their travel, paying for their hotel, paying for clothes, paying for like all that stuff, like for the yeah. photo shoot, yeah. that's an upfront cost. Anytime I travel somewhere, like for a client, like gas, that's mm-hmm. a cost. Anyway, yeah. I wasn't anticipating paying $7 a gallon. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> that, is a, that is an unanticipated expense. Yeah. But other than that, everything's pretty much been pretty anticipated. So, okay. yeah. How about you? I mean, I have a lot of equipment costs because I can't take photos without. How often do you buy equip- new equipment? Um, I'm trying to slow down. <laughs> okay. Uh, my first... It kind of de- just depends on like, if I take care of my gear, right? So it doesn't really break, but every once in a while, I would rather have a different lens or like there's this new camera body that came out that, and so I kind of will trade gear out, like I'll sell gear and I'll buy new gear and all that kind of stuff. Um, I have to upgrade stuff. It's interesting. I should have pulled the numbers up. I wonder how much I have spent on just gear, but as far as like the, what you think of as gear, expensive gear, maybe like once a month or every two months. Um, really? That's how often you're buying new gear? Yeah. Is that yeah. normal for a photographer? I think I'm still in that f- area sort of, well, it depends on the photographer. Some photographers, that is, they will do more than that. Um, yeah. We're just like super into the really newest tech. And I'm like, I don't really need the newest tech. I need, just need stuff that really works well for me. Is that because and there's so, new things coming out? Yeah, there's often? always new stuff coming out. Yeah, there's oh, always wow. new stuff okay. coming out. But I'm still, I think, starting in the, in the startup phase where I'm like, I st- I'm still kind of getting my kit of gear that mm-hmm. is like all reliable. Like, this is what I take with me every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still kind of like playing with what I like and what I what is really useful for me and what's not. Do the clients request specific gear? No, no, no. The like, not, they're not like, oh, I, no. because I know you're doing film now. So I was like, do they, does someone request film and that's why you're doing it? Sure. Yeah. No, I. Uh, that's something that I could offer, right? And so oh, I offer, uh, I don't offer like 35 millimeter film for clients, but I do offer Polaroids as an add-on mm-hmm. to wedding. So I'll like take eight Polaroids home with you from your wedding. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I have this little uh, cheap Polaroid camera that I take around. That's cute. And just like eight times throughout the day, I pull it out and take a photo. Um, and then they get to like have those tangible things when they go home. So that's like a $50 add-on because the film costs me 30 bucks. Yeah. And it's like not that much extra work, but yeah, stuff like that. There's certain like in the video world, sometimes clients will want like 4K because they've heard of what 4K, like you can buy a 4K TV as opposed to like 1080p HD. Um, and so that has gear implications, but for the most part, they don't really care what it's like shot on or shot with as long as it looks good. Oh, wow. I care. That's so interesting. But- well, I'm just, yeah, because I didn't, I guess I didn't really, because I didn't, when I hired a wedding photographer, I had no idea the kind yeah. of equipment they had. I just tried, I saw on Instagram, they, talk, they took beautiful pictures and I was like, great, yep. sound, yep. looks good, sounds good. Exactly. I trust you. Yeah. But it's just interesting. I didn't, because in my industry, there's not things like that. There's not like. Yeah, weird. I didn't I think about that. There's not like the newest technology that's coming out. I mean, sure. There's like TikTok and, you know, different strategies. And yeah. I guess different like website platforms like show it and yeah. like Flowdesk and like other mm-hmm. things. But, um, but other than that, there's, but th- that doesn't cost. That's just like an option that yeah. doesn't cost extra. Right. That's just yeah. so interesting. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's a, uh, it's a whole world and it can get really expensive and it can get to the point where you're like, Oh, I haven't spent any money in a while. Like I'm probably doing something wrong. I should go buy something. Uh, yeah. that's obviously a trap to fall into. And then there's a lot of smaller things too. Like I have a whole kit of, um, like, uh, an emergency kit that I bring with to weddings that has like bobby pins and a lint roller and that's toothpaste cute. and, uh, all that kind of stuff. And then there's a, like a details kit where I have like a little acrylic blocks and a lay flat styling mat and all these like 
ribbons and stamps and stuff that I use to like style uh, invitation suites and rings and stuff. I have like five ring boxes. You know what I wish my photographer had? What? Was like a little comb or something to like brush oh, yeah. my hair. Yeah. I wish. Actually, I, should, I don't have one of them. I should get a little brush. I look back at pictures and I'm like, I wish that someone just like like brushed my hair. It's like naughty. And I'm yeah. like, because especially with a wedding dress, like there's so many beads and stuff and it can get right. like entangled it all gets in caught it. and tangled. Yeah. Yeah. I wish that my photographer got had a comb. Yeah. Yeah. So I carry all that stuff with me and that stuff costs, like it adds up, right? Because you're like, yeah, oh, right. what's, what's 20 bucks? But uh, film does cost kind of kind of a lot of money and right now i'm like learning it and i'll i'll write that off because i would like to offer that some sometime but like a roll of film is 30 bucks and then it's another 40 to get it developed uh and get it scanned now and um like that's kind of a expensive little world uh that right. could cost a lot too so wow um yeah well. it's it's wild stuff one thing that's i think important though in year one for me has been investing in professional development like we uh, i think oh, yeah. we talked about um, the workshop that I went to in Hawaii, I know you've gone to a conference. Um, yeah. did you do that at all in your first year or when did you start doing that? Well, it was during the pandemic. So no, <laughs> sure, um, yeah. um, but in my previous job, I, we did go to a uh, conference, which was amazing in professional development. No, I didn't start investing in professional development until my second year till this year, like my yeah. second, well, I guess I only know it's cause I made it to two years. Yeah. It's like my second, yeah. My second within my second year going on to my third year. Yeah. Um, that's, that's when I started really doing all the professional development things. So I'm part of like a, a bi a bi weekly, like women run business thing with, um, her name's, um, Julia Solomon. And she has a, a thing called empower you. And so I do that every other week. Cool. And then I also went to the Creek cultivate conference, um, yep. which was amazing. Um, it was actually kind of like, there was like pros and cons. Like the pro was mm-hmm. like, it, there were some, there were some things that were great, but like, so the, the main keynote speaker, sorry, I'm going off a tangent. The main keynote speakers were like Bella Hadid, um, Winnie Harlow and Olivia Kublo, all models. Right. And they came out with their business partners who actually developed the product. Right. Like oh, Bella Hadid didn't develop kin, which is like a drink. Like she didn't develop yeah. that. Okay. Like she's, she's like a celebrity it. face to it. She's to the face of it. She's the financial backing. Yeah. And uh, so, but she was talking about it and I'm like, I didn't, I like, I love it so much. Love that you're a part of this, but I didn't like, you don't, you, I'm, I can't relate to you. Yeah. And so I almost wish that the, the moderator asked her business partner more questions because right. I'm like, oh, you've been doing this for 15 years. You've been trying to do this for 15. Like, tell me about your story. Yeah. Long so before Bella thing, Hadid was involved, you were like you creating were doing this, this business. She yeah. was like in labs and like all this stuff. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to hear your story. But the cool thing was, like, so the founder of Flowdesk was there, which was amazing. Cool. Because I use Flowdesk. Um, and she did, she taught, like, all these really helpful email things. Um, there was the girl who runs the small business and admi- small business administration under the Biden-Harris administration, which I didn't even know was a thing. But there is mm-hmm. a small business office in almost every single county. And you can go there for free mentorship, free fi- financial um, advice or, like, mentorship. Um, you can go there for like federal loans and grants. And there's also a one bill Biden just passed a 1 billion or one trillion. I think it's 1 trillion. It's, it's a big number yeah. of, of <laughs> money that um, government agencies or affiliate government agencies can spend on contractors. And so if you can somehow make your business help a, a government agency, then uh-huh. you can get a part of that money. We'll talk about ways to be recession proof. <laughs> uh, for real. So yeah, I need to look yeah, this up. Yeah, you should. I was like, right wait, now. what? I was so confused. I was like, I had never heard about this before in my entire life. And everyone around me yeah. was like, why have, why is this advertised? And she gave an example of her friend sells sells like lingerie. She like has she has, a, she has like a boutique, a lingerie boutique. And now she's making like bras and underwear for women who are in the army and in the Marines and in the Navy. Cool. That's awesome. Amazing. That's so cool. <laughs> I was cool. like, wow, that is a cool way to do that. And yeah. so, um, and then they, at the small business office, they help you try to figure out a way that you can help. A, it's not even just a government agency or a government office. It's like people who are affiliated or government funded programs that you can help too. That's amazing. So this this should be the giant takeaway, if nothing else from this episode is. <laughs> go look that up. <laughs> yeah. Go look up the small business administration. Uh I just Googled small business administration, Des Moines, Iowa, and got the thing. It was the first thing to come up. Uh, yeah. 
because why would you not? That's like literally everything we've talked about. Financial advice, like somebody to help you get off the ground yeah. and it's free. Yeah. So that was probably the biggest takeaway I got from wow. the entire conference. Yeah. Wasn't that nuts? Isn't that so crazy? And potentially also, like giving you business. Exactly. Like they're helping you try to figure out how yeah. you can get business through that. Funding programs, federal contracting, learning platform, local assistance, business guide. Isn't wow. that insane? I know. And she was a cool, she was seriously the coolest person. She yeah. was a part of a panel and she just like owned the room. She was so amazing. She was a That's black amazing. woman. She's been in, in um, this industry for like over 20 years. Like she was incredible. And cool. I was like, I'd be your best friend. She was <laughs> amazing. So that was one takeaway. And the second takeaway was actually really amazing. It said, think of your community as a piggy bank. You deposit with value and you withdraw with asks. You deposit with value. value and you withdraw with asks. So before you can, you keep asking your, your clients to book you for something or to buy something from you, you have to make sure that that piggy bank is full of value before you ask, before you withdraw something because you don't oh. want your community to go. It's like, if, if it's like almost like you envision like all your, all your community with in a piggy bank and whenever yeah. you ask them, you take people out right. and then whatever you add value, you put more people in. And yeah. if you're constantly asking and you're withdrawing more than you're giving value, then you're not going to have a community. It's like uh, you only have so many cards you can play, right? Yeah. And so you yeah. can create like, your own cards, but uh, you have to create that value. Yeah. You have to make sure you're constantly adding value, free value to your business before yeah. you ask them to do anything. I love That's a great advice. I know. Awesome. I was like mind blown by that, that I forgot. Yeah. I totally forgot who said that, but I thought that's that it was cool. an, an amazing takeaway. So that was one takeaway that was really, really cool. And then the Swamp Business Administration, I was like, had no idea about this. Yeah. yeah. So there were a couple of things where I, and I also got a client off of it. <laughs> so nice. Yeah. It was great. Okay. Yeah. That's Just awesome. by talking. Also, I will say to people, like when you are in these situations, if you go to a workshop, please talk about your business. Yes. Please talk. T- please tell everybody about what you do. Even if you don't go to the workshops, continue to tell people what you do because the amount of people who I had no idea what they did. And I'm like asking them questions and like they weren't going to, you know what I mean? It's like, if I didn't ask, you weren't going to tell me. Right. So like talk, like talk Use those to everybody. Like, yeah. You have no idea who your next client's going to be. You have no idea. Yep. Oh, I love that. So great. anyway, great advice. I'll say, all right, well, biggest takeaways from this episode are. <laughs> Small business administration. Small business administration. Uh, um, think about. Download a magic sheet. <laughs> download the magic sheet, uh, which is always uh, a takeaway from every episode. Yeah. Oh, we can I say something else? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh wait, well, actually, well, okay, a couple of things on this note. In the last podcast episode, I literally sound like I am high on caffeine. So I'm so <laughs> sorry for that. I literally am That's like because you were high this? on caffeine. You I was high caffeine. on caffeine. Yeah. I had a lot of Celsius, in which case I'm not doing that anymore, people. So <laughs> things are going to be better. Okay, but I will. I was going to say that when I was talking to Ryan, my husband, he does mergers and acquisitions, and he's like always thinking of an exit plan for people. Right. Cause like either you're going to sell it or you're going to just like let the company die. But most times you want to sell it mm-hmm. or you want to get aqua hired, which is like when people hire for the team. Yeah. So right now he just sold a company. I don't even know if I can say this, I guess I'm not saying what co- the company it, it, <laughs> company is. I actually don't even know what the company is, but one of his clients is buying a company that only has $40,000 in revenue and they lose a million dollars a year. And one of his clients just bought this small company. It's a financial service company. And they bought the company for $100 million. $100 million. Yeah. And they're losing. And they're losing a million dollars $900,000 a year. No, they're just, no, no, they're losing a million dollars a year. Oh, they're losing a million dollars a year. Yeah. They, they're making 40000 losing a million. Oh, my gosh. Like in rev in like profit. Or no, even profit. In revenue, they made forty. But they, they made 40000 a million. Yeah. Isn't I, that insane? Business so doesn't make sense. You could do anything, guys. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is real. Yeah, but they're, but they're hiring for the team. They're hiring for the team of people. So if you're an agency. Oh, gotcha. If you're an agency listening to this, make sure you're hiring an amazing team of people that work yeah. so well together that are diverse in opinion and in background mm-hmm. and in ethnicity and mm-hmm. 
can work so well together because mm-hmm. people hire for that. My brother, before he worked at Tinder, worked for a really small company called Tappy. Oh, what is that you asked? Never heard of the app? Yeah, because it's not an app anymore because they're an app for five seconds and then Tinder Aqua hired them. Wow. Just so that they could have that team of people. The team. Yeah. That's so smart. Yeah. So anyway, I'll say exit plan. Start thing too, as a business owner, I wish I thought about this sooner, but think about like in 10 years, 20 years, do you want to have your business or do you want to do, be doing something else? In which right. case, what are you going to do with all everything that you built? Cause you yeah. can't just let it die. Right. So like they figure out what you want to do with it after you built it. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go on. Cool. Other takeaways. No, that's great. No, that, that was another good takeaway. Uh, so before you're starting a business, you're thinking about how much you want to pay yourself. You're going to think about how much it's going to cost you to do business. You're going to think about like, how do you make those numbers work? Uh, you can ask for assistance, right? From places like small business administration, you can hire financial advisors. That's an expense you can, uh, you can take on and get a professional as well. Uh, invest in yourself, go to like workshops, conferences, all that stuff. What am I missing? Um, I think we got that. And- that's pretty much it. Yeah, and think about an exit plan. Yeah, think about think about where you want to be in ten years. Yeah, ten years from now. Yeah, and then things are going to change in the middle. But like, think about. I think it's because my dad right now is the face of his company, and he can't ever sell it because he's the face. People don't. He like has tried to hire my uncle. He's tried to hire other people to go on different like gigs for him, and they don't want it. They're like, love, love your, love you so much, but we don't want this person. We want you. Right. And so that kind of put him in a hard position because he can't just sell it. So now he's like oh, pushing 70 and still working because he like doesn't want to give up his company that he's built for the last 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. Bad news for like, the Colby Campbell photographies of the world. <laughs> because uh, I guess I could have a team maybe and you could hire Colby Campbell photography. But No, we talked about this, Colby. You have else. other plans. I do have other plans. That's true. I'm not going to yeah. probably do photography forever. Sell my business as a photography studio, but but everything that he's learning right now is is going towards the bigger yep. plan. Yep, yeah. that's true. Which we can't tell you about yet, but it's another episode. Hopefully, in, hopefully in a couple of years you can. That's another you can, episode for sure. You'll be like, I have another business, and here it is. Here it is. So yeah. speaking of other episodes, our next episode is branding. Branding. Yeah, we are going to get you guys a legal episode because I think we mentioned it last time. Like we are going to oh, talk about right. legal yeah. stuff. But my husband is a lawyer. And he, uh, obviously, as we all know, and he like works crazy hours and like some days are better than other ones. And all I'll say is that everything happening with Elon Musk right now is having to do with it. <laughs> I forgot that he might be part of those uh, things. So that's yeah, bananas. His firm may or may not be resent- representing Elon, or not Elon Musk, Twitter in wow. this case. So it's just been a nuts week. Wild. So Wild. The impact Hopefully, that billionaires have on hundreds and on thousands the of main, Yeah, especially you guys, the listeners. You guys are supposed to learn about legal stuff today, and you can't because... Yeah, thanks, Elon. Someone's tied up. <laughs> thanks, Elon. <laughs> cool. We'll get uh, legal at Mexico Marketing on at some point, yeah. uh, and we'll talk about... I'm glad we talked first, though, about like what do you do before you make it official, before we talk about making it official, because I think that's an important first step. So So true. Um, okay all right thanks for uh coming on how hard can it be how hard can it be financial viability how hard can it be i'm crying (laughs) i'm crying in financial viability okay bye friends bye